We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Drew Silva, riding solo here on the afternoon of Saturday, September 16th. We're going to run through all the latest headlines from around the MLB universe and discuss some individual highlights and lowlights from Friday's full slate. Players who showed well and where things stand with them going into the final few weeks of the regular season. And then on the flip side, players who did not show well on Friday and what that might mean or not mean for the stretch run. For some headlines from Friday, there's a lot to unpack with the Angels per usual. Uh, Shohei Otani missed his 11th straight game Friday because of an oblique injury and was spotted cleaning out his locker in, in the Angels clubhouse following the team's 11-2 loss to the Tigers, which suggests that an official early shutdown announcement is probably imminent. It might be happening as I talk here. Um, Otani participated in a pregame workout Friday, and it's a safe guess that his oblique just did not respond well during that workout. Of course, the more pressing issue with Otani beyond this lingering oblique injury is the late August diagnosis of a UCL tear in his right elbow, which is the reason he hasn't pitched since August 23rd. It could be something that requires surgery. Otani and his agent have been very cagey about the situation with that elbow, which is understandable given that he is just about to enter into free agency and will almost certainly command the richest contract in baseball history among the biggest contracts in sports history, even with all the question marks surrounding his health. So his 2023 season ends with more of a whimper than a bang. Uh, but he's still a shoe-in for American League MVP, having posted a 1066 OPS with 44 home runs, 95 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, and 102 runs scored in 135 games to go along with a 3.14 ERA and 167 strikeouts in 23 starts covering 132 innings. There are odds out there for the next team to sign Otani. We could probably do a full podcast on this to break it down uh right now the dodgers depending on where you look are the favorite at plus 300 yankees at plus 350 padres and mets are at plus 550 uh mariners plus 800 return to the angels is plus 1000 red sox plus 1200 giants at plus 1500 um sometimes these are the kind of odds that you can't actually bet on but it's just interesting fodder for conversation i wouldn't sleep on on the giants 
Otani going to San Francisco. It makes a lot of sense for that team on paper. It makes a lot of sense for every team on paper to add a, a guy who plays at an elite level as a hitter and pitcher. But just what the Giants kind of need to get over the hump. Um, and if he wants to stay on the West Coast, too, there have been rumblings about that. It seems like the, the Giants are prepared for a big spend, and this would be the biggest spend of big spends. But you could also see him suiting up in Dodger blue. Um, beyond the Otani situation, Anthony Rendon finally spoke with the media Friday for the first time in a couple of months and revealed that he was diagnosed with a fractured left tibia in August. The injury had publicly been called a bone bruise ever since he went on the injured list in mid-July. He hasn't played in a game since before the All-Star break. Um, and now at least there's some clarity explaining this extended absence. Rendon just resumed baseball activities this week. And given where this all falls on the baseball calendar, it's doubtful that he appears in another major league game this season for the Angels. 2024 will be the fifth year of that big seven-year, $245 million contract that he got in December 2019 coming off that World Series win with the Nationals. He's averaged just 50 games a season in the first four years of that deal with a 249 batting average and a 758 OPS. This year, only a 678 OPS with two home runs and 183 plate appearances. Rendon's 33 years old and do 38.5 million dollars next season. Not a great situation there. Uh, and before we move on, because I would like to move on from the Angels, they had to quickly flip the script on optioning Jordan Adams and Kyron Paris to AAA Salt Lake, recalling them just 24 hours later as Mickey Moniak and Mike Moustakis both headed to the injured list on Friday. Uh, Paris and Adams should play regularly down the stretch, both of them, as the Angels make plans for 2024 and beyond. They've both put up intriguing numbers in the minors this year, um, but for each of them, it, it's, it's yet to translate to meaningful production at the big league level. Paris started in center field and batted leadoff in Friday's loss to Detroit, went one for four with a single and a strikeout. He could play some infield too, um, probably will play some infield too with, with Moustakis out likely for the remainder of the season with a forearm strain. Adams started in left field and hit eighth on Friday, went 0 for 4 with two Ks. He's probably going to be a regular in, in either left field or right field for the Angels. They don't have many corner outfield options unless they want to put Jared Walsh or Nolan Shanuel in the corner outfield, but they seem to prefer them at first base. I don't think Adams and Paris are like going to be reliable fantasy options down the stretch. If if you're still alive in your fantasy league, you know, you're playing for a championship, you're not relying on young guys who have been unproven at the major league level. But uh, those two could be key components, certainly, of, of the future in Anaheim. Um, next up, Marcus Stroman was activated from the injured list Friday, a bit earlier than expected, following about a six-week absence to heal a rib cage cartilage fracture and some hip inflammation. He worked in relief uh, in his first appearance since July 31st on Friday against the Diamondbacks. Struck out three batters over two scoreless innings, uh, but the Cubs wound up losing 6-4 to Arizona. The third straight loss for the Cubs, who are now five and a half games back of the Brewers for first place in the National League Central and being chased by the Diamondbacks in that bunched-up NL wildcard mix. This is a huge series for both of these teams, obviously the Cubs and Diamondbacks with that bunched up group of clubs vying for the final few 
NL wildcard spots. Cubs manager David Ross said after Friday's game that there's no set plan with Stroman, whether he's going to be added back to the rotation or continue to work in relief. Obviously, there's not a ton of fantasy value that comes with a multi-inning non-closer relief role, and there probably isn't enough time for him to be stretched out into a normal starting gig. This time of year requires aggressiveness from fantasy managers uh, and the aggressive move. I think the smart move here would simply just drop Stroman even after waiting all that time for him to return from the injured list. He could feasibly like slide into the rotation for the Cubs near series um, against the Pirates coming up. I think that begins on Tuesday, uh, but he skipped a minor league rehab assignment. He only threw about 30 pitches on Friday, so he's going to be on a workload limit even if he does get a traditional start in, in the Cubs next series. I, I just, I don't think you, you can spend time waiting on him to be built up, even though you know, he's shown flashes of, of being good, certainly in the first half, not so much the second half of this year. Uh, some other rotation news for an NL wildcard hopeful, the Giants optioned Kyle Harrison back to AAA Sacramento on Friday. And now he can't return to the majors until the final weekend of the regular season unless it's as an injury replacement, he has to be down there for 15 days. In other words, you can't really count on the 22-year-old left-hander making an, another major league start this season. Maybe in the playoffs, if the Giants get there and, and move past the best of three wildcard round, they enter Saturday slate one game back of the Diamondbacks and Reds for the third NL wildcard spot. The Marlins are a half game back. Um, again, that's that bunched up group with all with their own flaws vying for those those final few NL wildcard spots. Harrison, you know, showed some promise during his five-start run in the Giants rotation, especially the first couple of outings. The brightest spot was an 11 strikeout performance, six and a third scoreless innings on August 28th against Cincinnati. Um, overall, though, a 5.18 ERA, 1.40 whip, 29 to eight strikeout to walk ratio and 24 and a third innings. Whether or not he pitches again this year, and, and no matter what the Giants do over the offseason, Harrison will, will very much be in the conversation for an opening day rotation spot in 2024. And he'll still have his rookie status as well. So, you know, got his feet wet in the majors. We might not see him again this year, but I think the future is really bright for him um, as a young lefty for the Giants. And then uh, a quick note on Felix Bautista, the injured Orioles closer. He advanced to throwing long toss on Friday in Baltimore as he navigates his way through a throwing program following a late August diagnosis of a partial UCL tear in his right elbow. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde said after Friday's workout that Bautista is making great progress and still aiming to return before the end of the regular season. In, in order to achieve that goal, he's going to have to move on to mound work within the next week and it's going to have to go really well. He's going to have to avoid even minor setbacks, um, but it's possible. Yeah, the, the better aim might be, ha might be to like have him ready for October. Maybe he returns for like the final weekend of the regular season and fits in one appearance. And then the Orioles can, you know, throw him back into a high leverage role going into the playoffs. It, it would certainly help the cause if the Orioles are able to win the AL East get a buy into the ALDS to give them a little bit more time. They're, they're tied with the Rays at the top of the division as of Saturday afternoon, a big ongoing series between those two clubs, the Rays and Orioles this weekend. Uh, Tampa Bay got the win on Friday. 
All right, we'll get into our four up, four down from Friday, highlighting some individual performances and you know some not so great performances from Friday slate. But first, a quick commercial break. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight, and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There's a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be at any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, four up from Friday. Royce Lewis, to start this off, he has been doing big, big things for the Twins, helping them to grow their lead on first place in the American League Central standings. That continued Friday with Lewis drawing three walks and belting a grand slam as part of a 10-2 route 
of Chicago. It was his fourth Grand Slam of the year in only 54 Major League games. He has four Grand Slams. And actually, all four of those Grand Slams have come within his last 18 games. Um, it was also the fifth Grand Slam already of his career, a span of just 66 games dating back to, to Lewis's debut during the 2022 season. He's the first player in MLB history to have five Grand Slams within his first 16 career Major League homers. If you followed all that, he's, he's doing incredible things. And, you know, some of this is obviously situational luck. You need your teammates to get in on base in front of you to even have a shot at a grand slam. But Lewis sure has taken full advantage of those opportunities and overall sporting a 302 batting average and 909 OPS in 222 major league plate appearances this year. He mostly hit sixth or seventh when the twins first called him up, you know, back in May and June. Uh, but lately batting third, second, cleanup. Minnesota has been wanting for consistent offensive production all year, and Lewis is helping to unlock that. They're now eight games up on first place in the division. The magic number talk has, has started. I think it's down to seven right now as of Saturday afternoon. Um, so shout out to, to Royce Lewis, really thriving at age 24 and, and helping that twins team suddenly look a little bit more dangerous going into the playoffs. Maybe they can finally pull off a, a postseason series win. Speaking of uh, youngsters making waves in meaningful games, Heston Kierstad drew his first major league start for the Orioles on Friday against the Rays as the DH in number seven hitter. And he slugged his first career major league home run as a sixth inning solo shot off Rays right-hander Zach Eflin. Kirstad was called up Thursday, a, a, appeared off the bench in the Orioles series opener versus Tampa Bay. And you know now he can make the case for regular playing time down the stretch, whether in the DH role or in the outfield or, or maybe cycling in at, at first base. Ryan Mountcastle has been sidelined the last couple of days because of a shoulder injury. That's worth keeping an eye on. Now, Baltimore loves to run lefty righty platoons and has had a lot of success this year in doing that. And Kierstad's a, a left-handed hitter, you know, could see a lot of action against righties. And most pitchers are, most people are right-handed. Um, you could see him being in the lineup a lot if he, if he gets off to a hot start, which he has done already. It's, you know, sort of been a winding road for him to reach the majors. Second overall pick in 2020, but he battled a heart condition, which was very scary in the early part of his pro career. Also had a, a serious hamstring injury that set him back a bit. Started this year at double-A, um, hit well there, made his way to triple-A, just monstrous numbers across the board, had an overall 303 batting average, 904 OPS, 21 homers, 29 doubles, eight triples in 122 minor league games prior to his promotion to the Orioles this week. Another in intriguing young bat for an Orioles team that seems to be loaded with position player talent. Um, for the present and for the future. Can't wait to see what Jackson Holiday can do. I, I wonder if he's in the conversation for the opening day roster next year. That, that'd be aggressive, but um, he's hit at every level since since the Orioles made him the top draft pick. Yeah, and the Orioles, yeah, closing in on claiming the AL East title. They're going to ride the hot hand. It would not surprise me if Heston Kirstad gets a lot of run down the stretch and, and is able to take advantage of it. Um, not so meaningful, meaningful here in, in real life, but certainly relevant in fantasy circles. Bobby Witt Jr. went two for three with a solo home run and two stolen bases in the Royals' defeat of the Astros on Friday. It was the 29th homer of the year for Witt, and the two steals pushed his 
year-long stolen base total up to 46. So he's not only cruising toward a 30-30 season, but we could be talking about 30-50, 30 homers, 50 steals, which is a very exclusive club. Um, if my research is correct, I probably should have dug into this a little bit more, but I think this is right. Only Barry Bonds, Eric Davis, and Ronald Acuna Jr. have put together 30 homers and 50 steals in a single season. So Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be yeah joining an exclusive club at, what is he? He just turned 23 years old. He kind of flies under the radar because the Royals are not in the most relevant place as an organization, but Bobby Witt Jr. has been ed, as advertised as like a counting stats compiler. 49 homers, 76 steals through his first 294 major league games. And again, just turned 23 years old. The, the rate stats should only improve, I, I would guess. You see that kind of career trajectory. Um, the counting stats are there. Can he improve the on-base percentage and, and the overall OPS? I think he can. I think we're talking about superstar upside and and deserving of you know being talked about as a, a potential first-round pick in, in fantasy drafts for 2024. I wanted to touch on Evan Phillips, too. Uh, recorded his 23rd save of the season in the Dodgers' 6-3 win over the Mariners on Friday. Scattered two hits, both singles in a scoreless bottom of the ninth to lock things down for the Dodgers in Seattle. You know, Phillips was like sort of eased into the closer role in Los Angeles this season. There was never any public acknowledgement or announcement from manager Dave Roberts that Phillips was going to be the primary saves guy, but um, it just became inevitable. Like, and he's been so solid dating back to last year and, and he has 10 saves since the beginning of August, including the one that he notched on Friday has only officially blown two saves all year with an overall 2.43 ERA, 0.81 whip, and 61 to 11 strikeout to walk ratio in 55 and two-third total innings this season. When is about the 23rd reliever off the board in fantasy drafts this spring? I know I got a lot of shares of him, um, and it was a little bit frustrating early on because he wasn't getting every save opportunity, but he certainly has been recently and, and could be a big component of that Dodgers bullpen going into the playoffs. Uh, that's four up from Friday. Let me also add uh, Michael Conforto as, a, as just another positive from Friday. Return to the Giants lineup following a three-week absence to heal a left hamstring strain. Drew a walk and scored a run out of the DH spot for the Giants. You know, it's not that exciting, but San Francisco needs – all the offensive help that they can get and Conforto can provide that over the last couple of weeks of the season and possibly leading into the playoffs. Remember he signed a two year deal. So um, could be back in the fold for the giants next season. I think they're going to look a lot different next season, maybe with Otani, but we can table that discussion for another day. All right. Four down from Friday, some, some low lights from Friday slate starting out with Justin Steele, who had been kind of sneakily closing the gap on Blake Snell for the NL Cy Young Award, at least as far as the odds makers have been seeing it. Um, but that conversation probably ended on Friday as Steele gave up six earned runs on seven hits and two walks in a loss to the Diamondbacks. A big loss for the Cubs there to the Diamondbacks. He gave up a three-run homer to Lourdes Gurriel in the bottom of the first, then settled in for a while, but Alec Thomas came through with another three-run shot in the bottom of the sixth, Snell is now at minus 550 to win the NL Cy Young Award. It's pretty much locked up. Uh, where Steele's at plus 400 
Spencer Strider's fallen to plus 7,000. Zach Gallen has fallen way off now to, to plus 8,000. It, it's going to be Snell's award, which is interesting in a, in a season where like everything has gone wrong for the Padres. And Snell is such a volatile type of pitcher, but he's been on an incredible run going back to May. Um, and, and is deserving of that award, even as the team's success has not really come together. But Justin Steele, man, what a year. 16-4 and four record, 2.73 ERA, 1.14 whip, and 164 strikeouts in 165 innings. His average draft position this spring was in the, th- the 300 range at most fantasy services, uh, up in the 400s on Yahoo!, Basically undrafted in standard format, standard, shallower, 12-team formats. He went undrafted. So he's not going to win the NL Cy Young Award. I, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Spencer Strider finishes second because of the strikeouts. He's going to get a lot of love. Uh, but even if he finishes third, Justin Steele, we'll go ahead and give him the 2023 Fantasy Cy Young Award brought to you by Rotowire. Um, given the production that he's provided relative to the, the draft day cost. So congratulations, Justin. I, I will have that trophy made for you. Uh, Jack Flaherty is another low light from Friday. Had a tough go of it again uh, in a start against the Rays, making his seventh start for the Orioles since being acquired from the Cardinals at the August 1st trade deadline. He allowed three earned runs on six hits and a walk while lasting only four innings as Baltimore fell 7-1 to Tampa Bay. Uh, Flaherty worked only three and a third innings in his previous turn against the Red Sox and only four and two-thirds innings the turn before that in Arizona. Overall, a 7.11 ERA in 31 and two-thirds innings with the Orioles, and that's even with him looking really sharp. If you can remember back to his debut following the trade, that was on August 3rd. Um, but every start since then has been a, a little sketchy. Uh, he's a free agent this winter, Flaherty, 27 years old, which is young for a starting pitcher. You know, some very strong, promising stretches in the past, but it'll be really interesting to see what kind of contract he can command. Um, and also, hey, how he factors into the Orioles' playoff plans before that free agent foray arrives. Like, is he going to be a postseason starter? Is he going to be using the bullpen? Will he be on the roster. I mean, I, I guess it depends if the Orioles get that by and advance to the ALDS. They're going to probably want him. If it's a best of three, if they're playing in the wild card round, I don't know if Flaherty's on the on the postseason roster. Um, but still, probably a couple turns to to improve his standing with the club. It's just it's been a while since Flaherty has been reliable. There was that amazing stretch in 2019. Uh, in the second half of 2019. But then he was diagnosed with a slap tear in his shoulder a couple years ago. You have to wonder if that that right shoulder of his is anywhere close to full strength. I, I think that shoulder could still be an issue, and teams are going to want to know about it before they sign him. I, I just wonder what kind of contract he's going to get. Will it be kind of backloaded? Is there going to be some like multiple option years? Or is some team going to believe that they can turn him around, get him healthy, and get the best of him? Because, I don't know. For, for stretches of, of time in St. Louis, he looked like he, he was going to be like a future ace um, with just really reliable stuff. But he is just, yeah, like I said, not been reliable. Um, Ellie De La Cruz, too, I, I should we should probably talk about him in this section. Even though he didn't play in the Red Series opener against the Mets on Friday, sat against a left-hander, which has 
become a more common thing. I was, I believe it's the second straight matchup against a lefty that he has been sitting out and you worry about what that's going to mean. You know, yeah, you have him in fantasy, you're, you're putting him in the lineup. Um, but if he's going to be kind of platooned down the stretch, that's obviously a concern. He's a switch hitter, uh, but he's batted just 194 with the 526 OPS against lefties this year as a rookie when he's batting right-handed. And overall in September against righties and lefties, he's batted 167 with a 517 OPS. This is a prolonged funk for, for Ellie De La Cruz that dates back to July. He was excellent upon his initial call-up, filling up box scores with power and speed, stealing bases, making highlight real plays um, at the plate, on the bases, and in the field. But he has just kind of looked over overmatched lately. Hey, maybe Kirk Herbstreit was, was right, if anyone understands that reference. But, yeah, this is a bad time for Ellie De La Cruz to, to not be showing his true ability as the Reds try to keep their postseason dreams alive. I, I wouldn't, like, read too much into it in the grand scheme of things for Ellie De La Cruz's career for going into next year. He's so young and baseball is hard and, and pitchers adjust and then hitters have to adjust, but we can probably pump the brakes a bit on De La Cruz being like a first round, second round pick in fantasy drafts for 2024. Um, where would I put him? I'll, I'll say like third or f- even fourth round. You're seeing the potential with what he can do. He's got 11 homers and 28 steals across his first 86 major league games, but I, I think there is certainly some work to do and um, kind of kind of a guy that we're probably going to have to reevaluate over the offseason um, as far as projections go for 2024 and beyond, um, but a little bit concerning with what's going with with that funk that he's been in. Really, man, it, it's multiple months now. Um, we'll wrap it up with Sean Newcomb, who you know maybe had some fantasy a stream streaming appeal. He was acclimating pretty well to to Oakland to a starting role, getting a shot again to work as a starter. You might remember he was a former top prospect, starting pitching prospect with the Angels, and then um, with the with Atlanta, um, and was getting another chance to to show what he could do in a rotation role with the A's, but that all fell flat Friday as he gave up four earned runs over three innings and what was an eight, three loss to the Padres Newcomb again, former top prospect, a a lot of arm talent, but there were injuries and ineffectiveness that eventually relegated him to the bullpen. And yeah, simply put, you can write him off as a usable option in these last few weeks of desperation probably belongs back in a relief role. Um, you know, but yeah, good for the A's giving him a shot and just just didn't really go that well against the Padres, who, you know, still have some impressive bats, even though things have, have not gone well for, for that team on the whole here in 2023. All right, that's a segue into looking at some streaming options for Sunday's full slate of games. Yeah, I was trying to, to pick out some interesting names here, um, yeah, like Jose Quintana at home in City Field against the Reds. Carlos Rodon has looked a lot better lately. The velocity has returned. He gets the Pirates, but he's not widely available anymore. If he is, go ahead and pick him up. But I believe his roster percentage was around 70%. Um, Jordan Wicks for the Cubs taking on the Diamondbacks. His roster percentage has shot up, and rightly so. Uh, Dean Kramer against the Rays, and again, a must-win game for the Orioles. Uh, you know, digging into this, I'd be wary of trying any fringe options. Like, and there are a lot of fringe starters 
going to going into Sunday. If I have to pick one from the options that actually might be available, it would be Quintana. 40% rostered on Yahoo. Getting a Reds team that you know can match up better against left-handers since getting Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader at the, that waiver deadline pickup in August. Um, but that's still a lineup that Quintana should be able to navigate as a veteran lefty. Um, and what will be, I guess, uh, probably maybe his second to last start of the season, or maybe he could fit in three more uh, before the end of the year. All right. I think we ran through it all. That'll do it for us on this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Follow me on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days, at Drew Silve. Rate and review the show if, if you like what you're hearing. Hit that subscribe button as well and check out more episodes from a variety of hosts on a variety of topics every day of the week as we finish out the end of the regular season and, and move into the playoffs. And I, I believe we're going to be moving into a two podcast format beginning in October and myself and Ryan Boyer and Chris Crawford will be covering one of those shows kind of in a rotation, talking about the playoffs, looking ahead to next year, looking back at, at last year. Maybe we could do a reevaluation of Ellie De La Cruz and talk about Shohei Otani's free agency bonanza. It should be a really interesting winter. There's a lot of, you know, top flight starting pitchers on the market. And of course, Otani, I wonder how slow it's going to move though, because Otani's really going to set the market and you've got the, the Yankees and Red Sox in panic mode, the Mets, the Padres, there's going to be teams throwing money around. I mentioned the giants. They seem like they're ready to, to throw around some cash. So it, it should be an interesting off season. Stick with us through it all. And yeah, talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.